Good evening, Patriots. And it is Tuesday, August 9th, still on the West Coast, and it's already heading into Wednesday on the East Coast. And if you're wondering, it's not going to get any less crazy tomorrow because we don't live in a normal world these days. I think somewhere along the way, we stepped through a portal of hell and we're witnessing the beginnings of it right before us. It's nuts. Patriots, before we begin, make sure that you're getting the great coffee nutrition you need. See, mystore.com is is my pillow's new marketplace for American-made products. And if you go to mystore.com forward slash bards, you're going to be able to find my coffee. Buy my pillow. Buy my store. It's on my store and it's my coffee. And it's a great coffee by the over-energized Mike Lindell. And it'll give you that daily enjoyment of a great flavor of coffee and make sure you keep your caffeine levels high, which everybody needs in my opinion. Great tasting coffee. Light, medium, dark roasts. You can find them all on the my store site, just go to mystore.com forward slash bards. Click on the image of my coffee right on the top of that page, and it'll take you there. You can get them in different sizes. The two-pound bag is the best deal, in my opinion. Great flavor, great quality. Growl roasted in America, all organic and all wonderfully done. Now, I, I am a bit of a coffee snob, as you know. I am, I'm open about it, and I'm proud of it, actually. And I enjoy good coffee. So as far as a regular daily drinking coffee, this has become one of my favorites. It's one of my go-to. And I roast my own coffee. I'm very discriminating about coffee, so I don't say this lightly. It's a great coffee. Enjoy it. So head on over to mystore.com forward slash bards, and you'll land right there on that page. And even if you just go to my store and type in my coffee, you'll find it. Use your promo code bards, B-A-R-D-S. And you'll be able to select from three different roasts, three, two different sizes in each roast. Great quality. You'll be very happy. And you get 25% discount when you use your Bards code. So again, mystore.com forward slash Bards, promo code Bards. You're checking out my coffee and the other great products that are on the site. We're going to take a bit of a turn tonight. We've been talking about some pretty intense stuff lately. And not that we shouldn't because we're dealing with mass government corruption, which is kind of unprecedented in our time. I Before we go on to other topics, though, I just want to present something of a bit of concern, something to be aware of. Nothing is as it seems, as we've talked about. And so in the context of the raid on Mar-a-Lago, there is one major concern that I have of a, of a deception that may be going on right in our very face. And it's this, the elites want nothing more than to defund the police and, and to create a more oppressive society for those that are living in it. The elites are all about money and controlling your life through money. What my concern is right now is that and there's no way of knowing this. It's just, again, you have to look at the multiple plays that are, what are going on. But it's notable that in the last 48 hours, we've gone to a point now in this nation where almost everybody, let me put it this way, a large percentage of the population agrees that the FBI has should be disbanded. But if you're tracking what's going on on the left, that, other, that side that the deep state likes so much because they've brainwashed them. They believe that the problem in America is corporate pilfering, that it's corporate over-profiteering. And in the picture of this, what's important to realize is that we're continuing to see billions of dollars siphoned off into Ukraine, and most likely that money's being laundered right into Swiss bank accounts. All of this is about extracting, extracting money from the people. Because in the end of the day, they see us as their subjects, their slaves. What we work, they want a portion of. We know that they're headed towards a CBDC model, which is going to be a programmable digital currency that will be tied to a social credit score. That, Unless there's something that disrupts that, that's their plan going forward. So here's my another way of looking at what happened in the last couple of days. We'll probably talk more about this tomorrow as well. 
when you look at the thrust of the FBI, which is quite literally a suicide mission, because whatever the FBI has done now, they can't, there's no going back from. So no matter who staged that event, whether it was good guys, black hats, if there's even any good guys in this fight, or if it, even if it's a third element in the fight we don't know about, no one's going to take credit for it. But the point is that the FBI, in what we saw, the FBI launched, the FBI brand launched an attack on Mar-a-Lago to break into President Trump's safe ultimately and to violate everything that they stood for so that now there's a mass all call to have them disbanded. Under normal life circumstances with regular human beings running the planet, I would probably say that was somewhat legitimate. My one concern here is that we aren't dealing with normal people or normal human beings. These are pathological liars and obsessive killers that basically are running the world. Psychopaths. So here's another scenario just to keep your eyes on. They could very easily be destroying the brand of the FBI intentionally to get united support across both parties to disband them for the purpose of getting rid of them and getting out a law enforcement agency that was investigating them because there are investigations going on towards the deep state in a way to get rid of that investigative group, disband them, and then take the worst of the worst and give them jobs in the new 87,000 IRS openings. Why that scenario makes certain sense is this, is that in that scenario, the IRS does not fall under the normal judicial constraints or requirements for due process. They have their own court system. It's a tax court system. All of it is directly under deep state control. All of it is against the Constitution, and all of it targets the small guy in the country, and it squeezes every one of them. And it all protects the corporate interests. So, eyes on your head, keep them open and keep your head on a swivel, because literally, at this point in time, I've said this over and over, trust nothing that you see, and be cautious on who you extend your trust to. So, as we transition into a more wholesome topic, one other comment I want to make. I've been watching some chat exchanges on our family Telegram channel. And I'm not going to call out names at all, meaning there's a conversation going on about a particular account. Here's how I am about other Patriot accounts. I've, I seldom ever call out Patriot accounts, even when they call me out. And there's been some stuff, there's been people that have called this account various things and whatever. I don't care. I really don't. The only couple times, and I did it last, two nights ago, I think, or even yesterday maybe, I called out two accounts. And the reason I did by name is not because they have bad work, but because what they were doing is leading down false premises in a really negative way. But as I have said many times, each of these accounts has promising issues to them. And it's seldom that I do it, and the only time if I do it was when I think it's an egregious violation of trust. There was a lot of discussion about a particular account that apparently, at one point in time, I don't know, called me out and tried to, as was quoted in the in the comments in our Telegram channel through Bards FM under the bus. Big deal. Who cares? What I read was some testimonies of people that have been deeply affected in a positive way towards their research that that account delivered. That's what matters. Each of us have certain alignments with accounts that we like one or another, and this really shouldn't be a turf war. And I don't believe in turf wars. I think that there's very few accounts that stress God enough, but that's my position and may be yours and may not be yours. And for some people, there's too much faith on this account and not enough tactical methods to how to defeat the deep state. I'm not judging that. We have a dialogue that goes on here that's very effective. It's open to everybody. And we are always going to put Jesus and God first in everything we do because in this environment, that's what matters most. 
we also I also try to bring to this channel tangible action items. Like with this response to Mar-a-Lago, I don't know who the good and the bad are. And I'm not going to take the side of one over the other definitively, other than to say that the FBI is way the hell out of line, however that plays out, whether it was staged or not staged or whether it was good or bad who ran it, I don't know. But that action by an, an agency to do what they did is way, way over the edge. So I say that because we need to always focus on the center points of our stability and focus, which is faith and the rock of faith, and equally on the action items that I think, and I think we collectively can agree, are prioritized, which would be things like making sure you're getting in connected to your sheriff, your county commissions. We talk a lot about the seven pillars, which is very important. And I think that balance creates a very healthy balance. But this isn't the only channel in town. And I don't pay a lot of attention to other channels. I just don't have the time. There are some really good accounts out there, and I don't agree with everything they say. So I just encourage you all that when don't shut off an account simply because they throw Bards FM under the bus. Okay. If there's some healthy things to learn from them, take it. It's okay. I mean, our part of us being disciples is to accept that there's going to be differences and we have to roll with it and, and just show our heart in being who we are as Christian warriors. And like I said, I seldom ever call anybody out. The only reason I did in the last two nights, and, I, and I'm not even going to repeat it. You want to go back and listen, do. But my point of the two accounts, and I, they are good accounts in good research, but I don't agree with the perspective of leading people down these narratives that are all painted with fluff and baby powder, like everything is going to be okay and the patriots have it all under control because I, don't, I just don't subscribe to that garbage. I don't think anybody has this totally under control. And like I said many times, if it turns out that we've been watching literally a movie and it's all been scripted and it's all been laid out and proven to us that every single thing we saw, we were all being led down by our nose, I probably won't excuse my comments. I'll just go crazy and rail on the idiots that led us down this path and didn't have the spine to tell us the truth. And then maybe retract a couple things afterwards. I probably get a little hostile anyway. So anyway, but that's all I'm getting at is just really be open to what, when you see, like there's a, in this particular account, somewhere up in our family, I can't even find it right now. I mean, it was just a really nice testimony to what this account, not me, another account had done for them and teaching them how to research, how to develop an action plan on local level. Look, man, that's, that's what we're about right? And it's a beautiful thing. And so whether you get that from a Q account or whether you get that from a leftist account or whether you get that from a mainstream Republican rhino account, I don't care. I mean, what we're all trying to fight for is to reset this nation with God on the throne and get our constitution back in line with the Declaration of Independence. And if somebody's reading Dr. Seuss and has an epiphany on what to do, then God bless you. Um, that's it. So I think that's important. Speaking of important is what I would call a very important topic, which of course is food. And we haven't talked a lot about it lately. And I do want to touch on some things because there's some pretty crazy things going on in the food stuff. And I, I like this because again, the simple solutions, the idea that it's going to be an election, it's going to be a few people that, that whole narrative is, childish at this point in time. We are literally living in the days of Noah. And I'll give you an example. And I'm telling you, I've read this article top to bottom twice, and I still can't understand why someone would do this. But here we go. I'm just going to read you the highlight. Humanize yeast. Scientists create yeast with human important human genes. Delft University and technology scientists have created baker's yeast with human muscle genes. Human muscle genes were successfully inserted into the DNA of baker's yeast with biotechnologist Pascal Durand Lapagade and her team at Delft University of Technology. 
Now, I, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I, I've asked this question like 20 times. What would motivate somebody to do that? I'm serious. I have no clue what would motivate somebody to want to have yeast now with human muscle genes in it. Um, it's not, I mean, and they make it sound like yeast is difficult. Yeast lives all around us. And if you don't know how to make sourdough bread, please learn. It's so easy and it's so rewarding. And I'll give you the quickie right here. You take a cup of, of whole wheat flour and you take approximately a cup of water and and that's it. And you knead that into a tough dough. Okay, so it kind of creates a small sticky dough. And you put that on a cutting board and you cover it lightly with a, a like a cheesecloth or a damp cloth. And over every, every eight hours, you're going to go and knead that again. And you might, if it gets too sticky, you're going to add just a little bit of flour, but not much. And you're going to knead it and it's going to start getting a little crust on it each time. And you're going to do that for three days. And then you're going to break off half of it and you're going to stick it into a container, ideally like a ceramic crock. And you're going to mix it with another cup of flour. You're going to dissolve that, first of all, in a cup of lukewarm water, like about 98 to 100 degrees. Not more than about 100 because natural yeast is much more sensitive to heat than activated yeast. You're going to stir that in until it's all dissolved, and you're going to add about a cup more flour, whole wheat flour, and maybe, maybe a little bit more water. You want it to be like a pancake batter, when you're kind of a thick pancake batter when you're done. And then you're going to set that and let that sit outside for a day or so. And it's going to, you're going to see it get bubbly and percolate up. So it takes approximately five, four to five days in the house. And then when that bubbles up, you can then add another cup of flour and another little bit of water. So do it again. Let it that bubble up. And then you can use half of that to make bread. And you take the other half and you add another cup of flour and some, and some water. Let it bubble up and stick it in the refrigerator and let it sit there. And then it, it, you have to either stir it or you have to use it every week. Okay? That's how easy it is to get natural activated yeast going because there's yeast in your house. And the more that you do that, the more prosperous and the yeast become and the more prolific they become in your bread and your bread and the household environment start to unite. It's like a symbiotic relationship. I've done this a lot. It's wonderful. So why in the heck somebody would want to put human muscle yeast in your yeast or human muscle genes in your yeast? I have no clue. And it's, it's because sourdough is so easy. And by the way, when you do your bread, the only ingredients you need is sourdough starter water and you have to get your you have to check these i do this by eye anymore i don't even have it in my head but the measurements you have to check the measurements but you need sourdough starter you need whole wheat flour some people use a mix some people it's the you can use either one i, I prefer whole wheat and then you need some salt so sourdough starter whole wheat flour water and salt. That's all you need. And you get, it's slower in rising. It takes a day or two. I mean, it takes a day. Some people do the whole, the sourdough process over two or three days, even with the bread. And that's a good idea too, because you get a little more deep sourness in the bread, but that's it. That's all it is. It's the simplest bread ever. And it doesn't cost you yeast. It's free. The yeast is free and it's a very low cost and super healthy bread. So why somebody nut job at a university would think it was a good idea to put human muscle genes in yeast. I'm still working on that one. But anyway, that's that's one little spit on the food market thing. Here's another one. Emergence of black market food, more expensive than the government rations. We will witness this any anywhere there is rationing. So this is a, a coming out of Lebanon. Lebanese faced long, insulting cues to buy bread. Um. One of the bread places there has queues for hours every day just to buy bread. And their demand, they're saying that because of the international creditors 
and the reforms that they're forcing on Lebanon, which they're going to try to force on here, people are now being squeezed. And of course, we know that as more agricultural land is being bought up as the source supplies for fertilizer and other things are being cut down, the ability to buy food easily on the market is going to shrink. And this is the idea because they're trying to force people into a common diet, which they are going to control 100%. When you see a line of cattle being fed at a dairy with their heads in a, in a, uh, like a catch, right? And they're, they're feeding. That's where, how they see people. They want you to be able to have to use just the food that they feed you. You get no choice. And that food is going to be grown in their vision of on vertical agriculture stations. And you will be dependent on their artificially grown proteins, their bug proteins, and their lettuce and whatever else they decide they're going to throw in. And everything will be very limited. It will all be DNA modified, genetically modified, and all of it will be expensive. But it will be taken out automatically from your universal basic income. And that's already being, all that system is being mastered right now. Not being, it's being perfected as we speak. Amazon is now creating the pay by palm method. So you can just scan your handprint. They own the handprint then, by the way. And that links to your payment system. So they're, they're creating this cashless society infrastructure right before our very eyes. And this is really the bigger war that's going on. And all of this is leading to an event that is going to try to ultimately seize all of our freedoms and lock us in. And everything leads to money. Everything, follow the money, right? Because this is Babylon. This is the Babylonian system. And that's a, an important principle to keep in mind and why when we talk about the importance of county by county, food ends up being right on top of that list. So I want to play a, a piece here, and I, th I think it's relevant um, and I think it's a good reminder. It's a piece done a number of years ago by Paul Harvey, and it's called So God Made a Farmer. And on the eighth day, God looked down on his planned paradise and said, I need a caretaker. So God made a farmer. God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. I need somebody with arms strong enough to wrestle a calf and yet gentle enough to deliver his own grandchild. Somebody to call hogs, tame cantankerous machinery, come home hungry, have to wait lunch until his wife's done feeding visiting ladies, then tell the ladies to be sure and come back real soon and mean it. So God made a farmer. God said, I need somebody willing to sit up all night with a newborn colt and watch it die and dry his eyes and say, maybe next year. I need somebody who can shape an axe handle from a persimmon sprout, shoe a horse with a hunk of car tire, who can make harness out of hay wire feed sacks and shoe scraps, who planting time and harvest season will finish his 40-hour week by Tuesday noon and then pain in from tractor back, put in another 72 hours. So God made a farmer. God had to have somebody willing to ride the ruts at double speed to get the hay in ahead of the rain clouds and yet stop in midfield and race to help when he sees the first smoke from a neighbor's place. So God made a farmer. God said, I need somebody strong enough to clear trees and heave bales, yet gentle enough to yean lambs and wean pigs and tend the pink combed pullets who will stop his mower for an hour to splint the broken leg of a meadowlark it had to be somebody who'd plow deep and straight and not cut corners. Somebody to seed, weed, feed, breed, and rake, and disc, and plow, and plant, and tie the fleece, and strain the milk, and replenish the self-feeder, and finish a hard week's work with a five-mile drive to church. Somebody who'd bail a family together with the soft, strong bonds of sharing, who would laugh, and then sigh, and then reply with smiling eyes when his son says, that he wants to spend his life doing what dad does. So God made a farmer. Yep, God did. And that's a beautiful way. Paul Harvey always was a masterful storyteller. I think that's just something to kind of reflect on, and you can find that easily on YouTube. If you want to hear it again, just go over to type in Paul Harvey, God made a farmer. 
we really need to get back to some simpler ways. And in the midst of what I've had to reflect on quite a bit in the last couple of days, because we are in some pretty hot issues right now, and they are important. I don't want to ignore them. We have a government that's gone completely nuts. And it's because they're, they're not a representative government. They're a tyrannical government. They're a corporatocracy. And they're making a move and a play to steal everybody's freedom and enslave everybody. So this is one of these difficult things we have to walk. And I think scripturally we can find these moments throughout scripture. And I think we have to reflect carefully on a bigger picture in scripture. So I'm going to paint a couple tonight. We, we hear of the stories of Gideon. We read the stories of Gideon. And we imagine the story focuses in on Gideon. And first it's the thousands that are with Gideon. And then when he asks them, Basically, if they, if they have any concerns or fears, maybe they should leave. And, and he loses most everybody. And that weans down to where he ends up with 300. We don't seldom give thought to what all those thousands are actually doing. And the fact is that they really were disengaged, in my opinion. I mean, I don't know. God sent them away. So, you know, maybe they went back and did their prayers. Maybe they didn't. They didn't go back and I don't think anybody really went back and pined for the moment of like, gee, I wish I would have made the cut. Maybe a few, but most people just went back to their routine. And really, if we look at the Bible in this way, we're going to find always that same type of theme repeating. Esther, who basically puts herself through sacrifice. I mean, imagine what that is. And it's interesting too, because Esther is one of these characters that we really enjoy when we read the story, but we, I don't think we're honest about how we would have judged her for what she did. Esther went into a harem. And then for the king to select who he was going to marry, each one of those people in the harem had to go spend the night with them. Now, I can almost guarantee you they weren't playing pinochle. So you can imagine that the king... I wouldn't exactly call him a purist or a person walking with God. He was after the hottest chick that made him happy. And he, Esther accomplished that, but at the same process, she's working under the anointment of God as she moves through here. And then when it comes down to that critical moment and where she's going to have to make the decision of how she's going to save her people and ultimately makes that step over with the words, if I perish, I perish. What's really amazing about that is she is still the one telling her people what to do, even they're like, what do we do? What do we do? We're all going to die. They're going to slay us. They ultimately awaken at the final hour and they, when the king gives the edict to allow them to protect themselves and defend themselves and they finally pull it together and they finally go out and defend themselves. We're in a similar situation right now. But not, fortunately, we're not all living in a harem to have to please the king. I mean, that's, oh, whew, I'm glad we don't have to do that. That'd be pretty gross. But we are in a situation where a lot of people are literally waiting for something to happen and for some to lead. And this is why I talk so much about the framework of the remnant, because it is going to be those that are walking beautifully with Christ that are going to understand that very difficult path to walk. And I, the way that I describe it in metaphor is that we're leading with the sword of the spirit, but the sword of steel's on our hip. We have to understand that there is such a thing as pure evil. And it is here. It's before us. And the problem is that it's still very difficult to discern. And this is another reason why so many people that are emotionally reacting to what's happened in Mar-a-Lago, it's important to get the framework of what's happened, to understand the perspective of it. But it's not, I mean, I always ask the same question. If someone says, I, I, want, I want to go get them. It's like, who are you going to get? Who is the enemy here? We can speak to it in terms of spiritual form. It's Satan, it's Satan's it's those that are worshiping that dark path. But what does that look like when it stands before us? 
you know, think about Joshua and, and Joshua going into the city. I, I don't have this answer, but I'm just wanting you to consider this. If the city had been spread out in the fields and intermixed with lots of other people, like two cities coming together, for example, or they had intermingled with a lot of other tribes, would they have been able to identify every person that was from Jericho? And I don't know. I don't have that answer. But I'm pointing something out is that it's in that story with Jericho, everybody that's evil in that moment is concentrated into one spot. And there's no just there's no need to discern between what is good or bad. It's just they're all bad at a certain point, and it's like slay them all, and they do. So it's a story that ends up being very brutal, but it's also very clean because there's nothing left of that evil. We're not in that world right now. Our world is still highly intermixed. And the thing is that a lot of those that are intermixed in this, even the darkness, they've never had an an introduction, a relationship with Jesus and let alone with a physical father, let alone father. And the more that you get to know the left, the more you're going to, if you've taken time, you discover that more and more of them do have daddy issues and do have broken family issues. Do have some sort of trauma issues? So does that make them evil or does it make them just misguided and that our role is still very much on the forefront of leading with the sword of the spirit and leading them into a relationship with Christ? That's what I constantly argue. But at the same time, it doesn't say be a doormat. And if we're going to start seeing armed soldiers trying to come knock at your door or federal agents armed to try to steal away your sovereignty and your freedom under rules that we don't agree with, that's a different story. And this is where the lines are starting to get very blurred. But just back to that point of, of Gideon, I mean, there's many people that go back to their villages or village or whatever they were. And they go back to their normal lives. So when we talk about people needing to awaken and we get frustrated with this, what was a unique character of Gideon's 300? They didn't care is what it was. They were focused on one thing, how to accomplish the mission God put before them. And God had selected those 300. So I come back to this because that's really where we need to be. It's not that I don't care if somebody hasn't been introduced to Christ. I want them to have that experience. But I'm sure as heck not going to belabor my life over it. If I encounter somebody, I'm going to share it. But the focus and mission here is that to introduce, to sow a seed and keep moving. This literally, you know, master, master, where have you been? We've been looking all over for you and the people are waiting for you. And Jesus says, Let's, it's time for us to move on so I can complete my mission. Let's go on to the next village. That is such the most amazing passage for me. And why? Because Christ doesn't go back and say goodbye. He doesn't continue his teaching. He's already given them what they need. And if he was in search of something other, like another disciple, he obviously didn't find it. And so here you have people waiting for him back in the village, and he just moves on. That's the mission focus we're talking about here. And I think it's very important in this time as we keep that, because as we are walking in this path, we are keeping a very clear eye, like Christ did on Pharisees, what their activities were, what was going on, because essentially I'm I'm way overreaching this statement, but in general, they have a lot of ruling authority over the land, or at least influence. And we're dealing with that right now. We're under an umbrella of federalized authority, and we're engaging in the local feudal lords, which are represented by the corporate box stores, because they're all one big happy family in the end. And we keep looking around for the leaders to save us. And this is the really interesting piece to me because 
when we get to the New Testament, there really isn't any leader to save anybody in a human, is a human. And Christ isn't there in the sense of, I'll be real clear here, he's, he's, he's not there to get everybody fixed up. He's there to release and pay that debt, so to speak. And to ultimately be sacrificed for our sins to allow us then a passage to Father. So our role here is not a lot different. And it's easy to get wrapped up in, as I kind of started earlier, it's easy to get wrapped up in the likes and dislikes of things. But our role's bigger than that. And I really think we have to embrace that because it's not bigger because we're greater. It's not bigger because we're better. It's bigger because the in that path of walking on the narrow gate, we have to literally come to an understanding, come to a place that there's huge responsibility where much is given, much is asked. And, and I, I really think that's an important point. I want to read something I really thought was well-written. And if, if you know our member on the board, on the chat that goes by Angry Sheepdog, he, he's just constantly puts out some really good comments and really good scripture references. And, and so I, I just want to read this that he put up there earlier in the previous show. And I, I really give a hat tip because I think this is, frames a lot of what we're talking about here. Satan got authority over man in the garden which is why we fell from grace and unto his jurisdiction on earth. Jesus broke the curse by paying the ransom for our return home. But it is not given freely. You must claim it. And he adds, in accordance with John 3, this is Satan's last run to keep us, keep as many from passing through the narrow gate. We really are in this time right now where just as in Jeremiah 6.16, it's, we're trying to balance the ancient paths and we're having to make some very difficult decisions in our life that are going to answer that question. Thus says the Lord, stand by the ways and see, the, see and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. That last line is that decision point that so many, all of us at one point or another are facing. And how people get there is not going to be one single voice or one single method. It's going to be a lot of influences along the way. And you know what's really crazy about this type of walk is somebody could be completely off rails going down, listening to somebody that's completely out of sync with God's word. And yet, they can find the narrow path if, they, if something opens their eyes to Jesus. So, I, you know, it's, I've said this before and, and recently. Sometimes we play stuff here on the show and it makes people uncomfortable or they don't like it. Or If I've selected it, I'm going to tell you honestly, if I select stuff on the show, it's definitely part of the prayer process of how I prepare the show. And sometimes God leads things for me to play stuff and I'm like, all right. And I'm good with that. And it's because there's, I've learned well enough in my own walk with God that there's many things that pop up that you never, ever saw coming. And as long as we're, if he's brought them, it's because we need to listen to them. Not all of us, but some of us need to hear it. And it's a way of bringing people to him. So like this discussion we had earlier about, you know, other accounts. I'm not a policeman of accounts. I'm not, I don't want to be a judgment of accounts. Like I said, for once in a while, I may call something out because I think it's a very dangerous path for people to be walking under these illusions of like popcorn and, and beer. And it's all going to be easy because life in walking with Christ is not that way. That's, that's complete illusion and deception to think that it is. But at the same time, people find things in these accounts and they find inspiration and they find hope and they find many things. 
And different people need different things. And it's important that we appreciate that. And I think that's where our role comes in and even a higher and better road is that we're there to walk a path that demonstrates however we got to this path. My path is different than most anybody else. And it sure wasn't easy. And it still isn't. It's far from over. It's I'm just at the beginning. And every day something new is revealed. And every day we all go through that process. And we hopefully... And we each learn something greater and deeper. And God moves us around where he needs us. And it's beautiful. And we do amazing things here on this channel. And there's other channels that people do amazing things on. At the end of the day, I don't know how God's moving on those other channels. What I do see increasingly is more and more references to the Lord born and people pulling into scripture, which is a massive shift from where we were in 2015, let alone 2017. And I may not agree, but I will acknowledge this. There's a lot more talk about God and a lot more talk about Jesus and a lot more talk about scripture than I ever imagined because I don't have to agree with everybody's direction, but it's affecting people. Because at the end of the day, part of what is going on here in so much of God's timing is not, it's not about us. It's about this big open arms to bring as many home as possible. There's some big stuff coming. And our roles are not going to be small. And our ability to adapt and meet people where they are is going to be extremely important. I am very proud in a personal way, but equally humbled to witness what has happened here in Bard's Nation. And there is so much immense knowledge of Scripture, and there's so much attempt and effort to apply Scripture to life, and that's beautiful. That's a living Scripture. That's as it should be, in my opinion. And that's what I talked about the other night is, to me, Scripture's not word, it's the symphony. Because when you play music, if you've played music, you know that there's the notes and then there is the creation of the notes, which is beyond the note. And that's really where Scripture flows for me. And we're not always going to agree on the exact interpretation or we're not going to agree on the exact translation that we use. That's fine, whatever. But the whole principle is we're all walking to get closer to Jesus. And if we can share that with more people and get them to realize what that does in our life and what it has done through this process, because this has created a very solid base of faith. And when you're there, there is no fear. And if there is, it's momentary. If there's anxiety, it's momentary. If there's stress, it's momentary because we know what we're going to do. We're going to turn to Jesus and we're going to, get that healing and that lifting off of the burden. And we're reminded in that place with Father that there really is this beautiful walk where it's not in the midst of the crossfires of insanity. But that doesn't change also the need at times to light those fires of righteousness. But what it does is it creates a tempered warrior because we don't enter into these issues with emotionals up and down we enter into a very level, clear eyes and discernment. And you really begin to see truly the movements on the board. You get to see the games that are being played. You get to see the hearts of truth and evil. And you can see the hearts of confusion. And that should create within us a beautiful space of empathy. And that's what Father's giving us. Unbelievable love and empathy but never doubt his ability for wrath. But wrath is not what he leads with. And by the time the threshing floor is completed and we have, he has as many over as he want, and that might be our lifetime, it may not. And that's this place that our project should never end. It's not something that we're sitting here grinding our hands about. It's like, when's Christ going to come? I have no idea. 
and I don't spend any time thinking about it. I really don't because I have my conversation with Jesus multiple, multiple times a day. And I'm telling you, not one time do I talk about when are you coming? I'm talking about what do you need me to do? Because that to me is the right place. That's my opinion. You don't have to agree. That's my opinion. There's only one place to be action driven. What do you need me to do in the here and now? And that has been, that has shown to me to be rewarding and fulfilling. And it's been an incredible process of receiving from God unbelievable levels of things that I never imagined possible on so many different levels. And in that walk, I feel very much in my heart that as I continue that walk and will continue that walk until my last breath, I will be able to sit before him and say, I've done all that I can do. That to me is really our ultimate goal. As we're bringing people to Christ and we're trying to bring people in that relationship in deep and and intimate faith, can we answer that question at the end? Have we done all we can do? We've not left anything on the table. We've left it all in the field. And it's not going to be easy. There's no perfection in that. There's not like there aren't moments of frustration or doubt. I mean, it's not like you're painting yourself into a perfect box because we are anything but. But it's the intent that's always in your heart. And it's striving each day to do a bit more. And I don't think there's anything more important than that right now because We are in a point right now of a critical shift in humanity. It's literally what I just said, a shift in the way humanity lives. That's undeniable. Who comes out on top in this first round of fights? I don't know. We keep our focus on the idea that we are going to come out on top the way we would want it. But not all stories have that type of happy ending. It might be that the evil deep state gets the upper hand for the next two years, five years, 10 years, 100 years. I don't know. What I know that never changes is my mission. And my mission is to walk in that place that is within the body of Christ and where Father wants me and no matter what the obstacles are before me, to work with him to overcome them and to conquer ultimately whatever that looks like. And that ultimately is why that metaphor of the farmer becomes so important because it's a work burdened, laden life, which gives ultimate satisfaction and joy. And the greatest reflection of our accomplishment was as Paul Harvey ended that piece. As the son says to the father, we say to our Father, I want to be like you. What a greater compliment. There is no greater compliment than that. And I don't think there's a greater success in life. Let's pray. Father, we're just, we come to you each night with blessings. And we are so blessed, in fact, each night that we can come here and assemble in the way we have. These are difficult times, times that challenge our hearts, times that challenge our belief and our faith in things, not our faith in you, obviously, but our, our relationship to institutions that we had expected in our lives to trust. And we're learning about the institutions of man and we're learning about the realities of betrayal. And we're learning about the realities of deceit. And we're learning about naive views of the world and handing out trust too willingly. But what we're also being reminded of, Father, is how absolute trust in you has not only never changed, but how it has to get deeper. That our trust in you, as we learn the other things, we reflect back on you and bury our trust deeper into you, our love more deeply into you. We learn a deeper and more intimate relationship in this process with Jesus to be able to have that conversations with Jesus as a living friend in our lives, a brother, a mentor, a savior. So father, where we have stumbled in these places, please forgive us because it's not by design in the heart. It's just us being human 
but equally thank you. Not only for the forgiveness, but thank you for the love. As one would, as a father should be. A perpetual place of nurturing, mentoring, and forgiveness as we move through this life. Sometimes with a bit of rebuke, sometimes with some harder lessons to learn, but always raising us, always strengthening us, always working with us to refine us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. is a pretty amazing time when you reflect on how far in our lives we've come and what the world looked like even two years ago or a year ago and how we've settled into what's really important. We talk news every day. We talk topics every day. But when we really weeded down and we all know this in our heart. The, the singular most important issue in our lives is our relationship to Christ and through Christ to the Father. And I think I would sur- surmise, and you know, again, this is my opinion, that I think every person who has walked that path can say pretty affirmatively that where we were five years ago and where we are today, our relationship hopefully should be much deeper and much more intimate with Jesus and with Father than ever before. And that's part and parcel with really trusting and realizing where our true trust has to be. These are amazing times. Challenging but amazing times. I don't think I'd want to live in any other time than now. And in spite of all the craziness, it is electric in the sense of being alive. And that in itself is a blessing. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. Keep your prayers up. We're really needing to constantly seek that discernment and clarity and wisdom that Father provides. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We're at war. We walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land, expand the kingdom, keep our mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow afternoon for Bended Knee. Until then, or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. All this time we had to prove that we could stand here too. All the nights been pushing through. Fight for all we had to lose Reaching out for something To pull us up to level ground Oh, I can see it now I can see it now
sunsets down over the hill where the lost got found. Reaching through somehow. Oh, you're an island when the world is too loud. When the seasons change, I know the space between us will stay the same. Resting on this faith, when your soul answers calls far away. Safe place to hide from the rain. 